Super Summer. They'll talk about doing things that they've never, never done. Basically, the, uh, climbing a telephone pole that's attached to nothing else, right? right. Uh, uh, standing on top of it. And then, then doing a trapeze bar about 10 feet out in front of you, of you and diving for it. That's what they're talking about. Just a little fun. I'm sure everybody does it, does it at home in the spare time. Uh, just for the joy of it. Romans chapter 8, if you're there with me. Uh, um, we talked a little bit today, actually, in our, in our second class about, about false teaching. Um, I, I think there's false under understanding, uh, especially in the church uh, in America, about who the, the, the children of God are. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, there's this idea, because we're all uh, created in the image of God, we're, we're all uh, children of God. Right? And we kind of refer to people in that way. Well, we're all just ch children of God. Well, it may be true in, in, in a sense, but what's not true is that you are not all a part of God's God family. Just because we're created in the image of God does not mean that we are all part of the, the family of God. Let's read this text. We're going to be in verse 14 through 17. And hopefully I can explain this a little, a little bit. Starting in verse 14, it says this, this, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive the spirit of slave to fall back, back in fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we, we cry out, Abba. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray, and we'll talk about this. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, that you have kept it pure. So we talked about in, in Sunday school today, that we, because we rely on your, on your word, because we believe it to be from you and, and all true, we can recognize the tr truth. So Lord, I pray that as we look at this day, that we will understand our relationship with you better. Father, that we would know who we are in you. Lord, we would, we would walk with an assurance of our salvation. Lord, we love, we love you. We praise you, and it's in Jesus we be pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Tony Merritt, he's a pastor, author. He said that this, if we do not get identity rights, you will not get your community rights. And then, then you will not get your purpose right. So he said, if you, if you don't know who you are, then you can't possibly be in the right community. You can be in fellowship with other, other people who believe in things you do, do. And then if you don't do either one of those things, there's no way that, that you live out the purpose, purpose that God has for your life. Right? Um, in... Romans chapter 8, I said this last week, week Romans chapter 8, 8 is probably one of the most, if not most, exciting book or chapter in all, all of Scripture. Right? There's now no condemnation for those in Christ. What, what, what separates us from the love of God? Right? Those are bookends on this chapter that is just so, so exciting. And, and as great as those are, I would argue that these verses in this chapter are the most exciting of all. See, up until this point, 
Paul has been giving us this understanding of who we were. Right? We've, we've talked about, about this. That it was Jews and Gentiles both that had sinned. That had fallen, fallen short of the glory of God. That, that had a... a, a that they needed or deserved. Uh, that's, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Deserved wrath of God. Due to Romans 5. It demonstrates his love for us. So while we were sinners, he died for us. That Christ died for us. So Christ took that wrath upon himself. Showing God is just in his punishment. But merciful. And full of grace to his people. So now we get it after 8 and there's no condemnation. Up until this, this point, God has, has, Paul hasn't said one, one word about being a child. About being adopted. He hasn't said anything about that. Yet these four verses, it's used every single time. In, in verse 14, he says you are sons. In verse 15, you are adopted. Verse 16, if children. Verse 17, if children. And all of a sudden, we're seeing that this is no longer a relationship of we were sinners that are saved, but now we are family. So let's dive into this. The Spirit of God testifies of the word that's found in our heart. We are adopted by the Father. So the first thing we have is a new identity. A new identity. The question comes, how do I, how do I know that I'm a child of God? Uh, uh, how, how, how do I know that I'm saved? I belong in God, God's family. How, how do I, how do I know, know this? My, my fear, and, and I'll, I'll say it bluntly, my fear is, is it's a lot of people who believe that, that they are part of the family of God because somebody at a, a revival or some evangelist come and said, if you just write on this date that, that you made this prayer, regardless of what your life looked like afterwards, and you look back and remember that day that you, that you made that prayer, you can all remember you were a child of God. That sounds great. Sounds reassuring. I can look in the front of the Bible that somebody gave me, and it's got date, and that's wonderful. I've lived, lived like a heathen and a demon of Satan that point to now, but I've, I can look at that date when I, when I pray that prayer. It's a false te teaching. Too many people rely on a date or a prayer instead of the assurance that Paul gives in this passage. I, I, I wouldn't gamble if I can use this out without, without being stoned in church, right? I, I would even gamble that there are some here today that would say if or answer if, if I ask, are you sure that you are saved? If, if you died today and gave, gave that whole evangelical speech that, that a lot of people give at the end of this, are you positive that if you died today and you stood before God that you would, would be accepted into to His eternal kingdom? That there would even be some who have doubts. And so, I, I want to pick up a verse. We read the passage 14 through 17, but I want, I want to back up a verse because. The response of so many people when asked or, or when they share that they have a, a doubt about their salvation and well just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to, what to do and I'll do that so that then I have the assurance and be saved. Paul actually gets into that. Jump back a verse, verse 13. It's actually the, the only full sentence, the second part of the verse, he says, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Verse 
but then the next sentence, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And we get to verse 14. This is important to look at 13 because the first word of 14 is for. Right? Which, which, is, which is therefore, or a, a because. Because, last sentence. Because if you, by the Spirit, put, put to death the deeds of the, the body, you will live. For those who are led by God are now God's sons. See, our, our assurance comes from, from the leading of Spirit. That's where our assurance comes from that we're saved, is the leading of the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. So, so what does it mean, mean to, to be led? Well, first thing we need to know is who is the Spirit? There's a lot of people that are led by a Spirit that are deceived by spirits. We, we, we talked in, in the last sermon series that we, we did, our battle with Satan, of how, how many different times and different ways that Satan tries to come in and deceive us and lead us in different ways through his demons and, and, and through mind, mind games and physical pain and, and, and all of these, these things. Trying to lead us away from Christ. Lead us just away from the throne. But very specific. In the English, it comes across, we capitalize the S in verse 13. But, but in 14, you get, you get specific. For those who are by God Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. If it, it, led by the Holy Spirit, you are God's sons. Well, what does the Holy Spirit lead us to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. That goes back to 13. To put to death the deeds of the body. To put to death the sin look at your life do you see the sin in your life I've been trying to put it to, to death or do we excuse justify it ignore it pretend if I acknowledge it nobody else will if I don't acknowledge it God God doesn't really see it as if his view of our sin is dependent on our acknowledgement. Are you putting to death the, the deeds, the sins of the body, of the flesh? And are you living through and led by a spirit? I put this verse, I jotted this down, I think I put it in back there. The way that seems right to a person. But its end is the way to death. death. Right? This is one of the, the ways that this is basically the Old Testament saying the same thing, testifying to what Paul is saying, confirm Paul is saying. There's ways that seem right to us as in our flesh. There, there, there's a way that seems good to us, right? Most of the time, that, those things are the, are the things that, that satisfy us in an instant. That, that fill a gratification or something. It's like scratching our backs. We're scratching that itch. It's the way, the way it seems good. And what the writer of Proverbs says, but that way is in death. You want to know if you're being led by the Spirit. It's put, putting to death things of the flesh. It, it, it's to death things that, that lead us to satisfy ourselves. Spirit leads us to look like our Father. We begin to hate the thing that 
he hates. We begin to love the things that he loves. We begin to, begin to look more like Christ. Jesus said, said in Matthew 5, that you are to be, be perfect like your father in heaven and his perfect. Love your enemies. Pray for, the, for those who persecute you. See, see how that is different from the flesh? Different from the world? That we're to pray for those that we disagree with on everything else? Lift them up in prayer. The ones that come against us, that want to destroy us, the ones that want to kill us, love them. And if we were to be perfect like our Father, is perfect. And we begin to have this kind of heart, heart when we're being led the Spirit. This, this is such a contrast to the, the world. Especially the world that we live in today, where, where if you disagree with me on whatever topic it is, we're supposed to be enemies now. We're supposed to, supposed to hate if, if you're a member of another political party, you can't even be saved. This is the world we're in now. This is completely different than the gospel. Other religions teach you you have to conform to different rules and different things. Pray, pray a certain amount of time a day, facing a certain direction, and use certain words if you want to appease God. You have to do things in different ways. See, none of this has to anything to do with being led by the Spirit of God. God. This is what we're being put to. But it says it's those, those who are led by the Spirit, put to death the things of the flesh. Being led by the Holy Spirit is not, or it is not only evident of your salvation, and it leads us to a new intimate relationship with the Father. That's the next point, a new intimacy. New intimacy. The word, the word intimacy, it, it, it means different things to different people, right? Uh, for some people, it is a, a, a physical relationship to be intimate with somebody. With others, it's more, more of a, an emotional connection than it is anything else. To be intimately involved with society. A couple different words in Scripture that pull this out, right? In, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. Okay? And this is an in intimate knowledge. And, and we see this especially in, in the uh, book of uh, Exodus in the third chapter when God is speaking, speaking to Moses. Right? In chapter when speaking to Moses, he says, I've, I've heard the cries, I've seen the persecution, and I know them. Right? That, 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 that word, no. Yada. It's an intimate knowledge. It's an intimate relationship. He says, he says I've seen what's, what's going on. I hear desperate people, and I know them. I know their hearts. We have, we have a, a very similar word only in Greek, the New Testament, and it's the word gnosko. We see it de desperately, or used de desperately in Matthew 7, and if I remember right, verses 21 through 23. This is the, the passage where Jesus says, says, In those times, in those days, there will be many that to me crying, Lord, Lord. Don't even, don't even tell them. I, Lord, we've done all kinds of preaching in your name. And we, we've done all kinds of miracles in your name. We've done all of these great th things. And at the end, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. It's this Greek word, gnosko. It's this intimacy. I told you, we've, we've seen this 
throughout Scripture, but we haven't necessarily seen it in Romans until now. Because Paul changed from, from this is what you deserve, this is what God did, to this is who you, you are in Him and the relationship you have with, with Him. And so he, he uses this as a way to, to explain the, the, the child and father relationship that have with Him. In the Roman times, when uh, somebody was visited, uh, this was a very serious uh, event, similar, similar to like what we do now. now. Uh, it was a little thing. Uh, they did this for different reasons. Might be because the child needed it adopted. A lot of times it, it was they wanted the person a part of their family. And so they, they were chosen to be adopted, chosen to be a part of the family. Sometimes because they didn't have an heir, and so they picked somebody, they said, oh, we want you to be the heir, we want you to be on our family name. And they would choose somebody in. It was something that was permanent. You weren't going to go back on it later. So they become a part of the family, and then you realize maybe they weren't as perfect as you thought they were. And then you're like, well, we're stuck with you now. You've been it. Right. Look what he says in verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to, to fall back in fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. The spirit and testify together with our spirit that we are God's children. I, I love this. The spirit changes our relationship with the Father. When he, when he leads us into in this, he changes the relationship we have with God. God. It's no, no longer one of a, a slave who is working and relates to him as a master that, that has just given him tasks to do. There's so many people that are trying to live the Christian life this way. View God as somebody who just gives us a list of the things we can and cannot do. Things that we have to do to appease him. And they sit there and they work and then they work. And they miss rest in the peace that God offers. They miss this relationship that he's, he's desiring to have with each every one of us. So many different teachers say that we must prove, prove ourselves. Prove ourselves to the Father. Prove ourselves that we are his children. Continue to, to prove that we are his children, that he will continue to love us. Believer, I, I love. I want you to hold, hold on. This. You did nothing to earn God, God's love. You will do nothing to, to keep it. If you didn't do anything to earn it, you're, you're not going to do anything to, to keep it. And you can rest knowing that He has a hold of you. You are His child. He loves you. And so, so He this leads us to cry out, Abba, Abba. Father. I have, um, I'll be honest, I have, uh, in different, different bullshits and stuff like that, like that I have uh, taught this incorrectly. I'll just, I'll put it that way. Incorrectly, I believe. I've studied this a little bit, a little bit more this week, reading through it. Uh, there are some uh, that will teach that Abba is a personal, uh, intimate way of saying Father. And, and, they, and they would say, so that means daddy. It's like, like crying up into your daddy's lap and saying daddy. That's, 
That sounds fantastic. That's not what the word is. And so I, I can't teach it that way. Abba is actually Aramaic. There's three different languages in Scripture, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. This is actually an Aramaic term that they would use as a prayer and communion God. It means Father in Aramaic. And then when it says Abba and then Father, the Father is actually Greek, which means male parent. And so it's just double way of saying Father, Father. I, I see that because there's, there's an emotional tug that someone teaches that we'll say it like this. Because this is what, what this means. Well, it sound great. I want you to know what actually sleeps is. You know what the tr truth is. And because it's said tw twice, it's emphatic. So it's not just, just Father and going on and on. Father, Father. It's like when Jesus says, Verily, verily, truthfully, truth, truthfully. Lord, Lord. Father. Father. And so see, we, we have this new relationship with Him. The Spirit leads in this. To, to, the heart isn't just, just crying out that we be in the presence of God. It's relating to God as our Father. This, this was something that was born to so many, so many people until Christ came. If you look, look through the Old Testament, the Jews didn't relate to Him as, as Father. And, and it was odd when Jesus would come and speaking about his father and that we, we can have a relationship to him as father but then there's this part in here that the spirit testifies and so read through through this week so with the way I, I start my study for the, for the week fill so you you just on I read through the, the passage and then I write down the passage and then I underline different words in it so, so that I make sure I understand exactly what it's saying. And, and then I outline the, the passage. This is, this is just literally what it says. It's not a sermon line. Just, this is what, what text says. Then I read what other people said it so I like gauge what it is I'm thinking to see where I'm off, off, where I'm right. I read through the, this passage and I see, oh, the, the witness test or the, the spirit testifies with us. And, and it gave me the thought of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, somebody to, to claim something is fact, there had to be two witnesses. One could be you, but, but there had to be another that could come on beside you. And so I look at this and I'm like, yes, the Spirit testifies with us, and our Spirit testifies with the Spirit, and it testifies to God that they're His children. Doesn't that sound, sound nice? We don't have to prove to God that we are His children. He knows you. This is an intimate knowledge he has of you, an intimacy that he has with you. We don't have to prove to him and testify to him and promise, no, but really, I am your child. See, the Spirit even agrees. So it's not a testimony to the Father. It's a testimony to you. The Spirit of God is testifying along with, with your Spirit to, to, to lead you this confidence that you are a child of God. Because we have an accuser out there that is accusing all the time of why you aren't. But the Spirit comes along with yours and goes, yes, you are a, a child of God. And you can cry out to him, I'm a father. 
believer, you are a child, the one true God. He desires an intimate relationship with you that, that comes with an inheritance that is more than we can possibly understand. And that's our last aspect, a new inheritance. A new inheritance. One of the worst things about being a pastor is seeing what happens to some families at funerals. Worried about inheritance, worried about what things are going, worried about all of this different stuff. Which is really kind of funny if you think about it. Right? You are arguing over stuff because somebody has died and wasn't able to take their stuff up with them. So you want to acquire more stuff as if you're going to be able to take it with you. Right? Makes a lot of sense. We were thought about temporary happiness. But look at verse 17. And if children, right? So if you're being, being led, but you are sons of God. Then you have a relationship. The Spirit leads you to cry out, cry out of Father. And if, if you are His children, who cry, cries out, Father, it says also heirs. Heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, if indeed we suffer for Him, so that we may also be glorified with, with Him. It's important when we get this past to, to remember where we started in verse 14. Right? And if you are led by the Spirit, you, you are sons of God. This word is very, very intentional. And we may, in our modern language, want to change it up and say, no, we're sons and daughters, or however we want to do it. No, this, this word is very intentional that, that Paul's using, calling us all believers our sons. If you, if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. The, the reason for that, this time, when Paul was writing it, women received no inheritance. You could not possibly inherit. You, you, were, you didn't inherit it at all. Went to your husband. Went to the sons of the family. It was split up that way. There was no inheritance. There was no inherent rights. And, and so, so Paul uses this language very specific. If you, you are led by the Spirit, he's including everybody. It, it's saying if, if men are led by, by the Spirit, they are sons of God. He's saying if you, all people, if you are, you are led by the Spirit of God, God, you are sons of God. And then he goes... And if you are his children, you're also an heir. And cares with, with Christ. But notice it's a, a, a conditional if. If we are children of God. Not everybody receives inheritance of God because not everybody are children of God. It's only those that are led by spirit. It points back to the first passage. I've dwelt on this. I'm not going to put you through it anymore. But then it also says if we, we suffer with Christ. Now, now there are different, uh, um, different people that believe that what is actually talking about is persecution or martyrdom, that, that if you suffer with Christ, Christ you're going to get a different inheritance, that you will be, be glorified when you get to heaven and all of these different things. I, I believe that's what, he, what he's talking about. I believe what, what Paul pointing to or Paul is referring to or, or just kind of getting to the, the point of is like when, when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, now you're yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Where he says that 
if you are his his followers, you believe in him, you follow his teaching, you live by his his name, you will be persecuted. You will have bad things happen to you because of it. That there will be suffering in this life. Because if you suffer, you'll, you'll gain an inheritance and you will be glorified. When I use the word inheritance and speak of our Father in heaven, I don't know what could come to your mind. If it's any, anything to do with the cattle on a thousand hills and all God has, you missed the point. The inheritance is Christ. It's Jesus himself. It's being in the family of God with our Father the inheritance. It's more than we can possibly imagine when we see him face to face. Realizing our sin, how simple we really were. Realizing the debt that he actually paid for us. Because you might be able to name some of the sins you've had in your life. He knows every single one of them died for you anyways. And when we see him face to face, we're going to truly understand how simple we are and how holy he is. we get to be with him for eternity. That, that is your inheritance. And you'll be glorified. Not, not because of your power. Not because of anything you need to earn it. But because you're the child of a king. So, I'll end this. Heather kind of laughs at me. Uh, mocks me. Because my complete disinterest in the royal family. I mean, I could not care less about any of these people. I could not name names. I don't care at, at all. You know what they did to get the, the, to be in the, in the royal family? They were born. That's it. it. They were born into the family. And now they're honored as the royal family. That's what Paul came about here. Here, You receive an inheritance. You get to spend eternity with your father. You get to be with Christ. And you're going to be glorified. You're going to be honored because you are a child of the, the king. The royalty. If, if children, if you were led by the earth, and putting to death the things into the flesh. I pray that you know it. I pray that you're not trying to earn your way to salvation. I pray that you rest in the knowledge that you are his child. I pray. Father, with you so much for the love that you have had for us. A love that we cannot fully comprehend. Lord, I think of I think, I think of 1 Corinthians 12, Lord, where you say that right now we see dimly as if in a mirror. But on that day we will know you as we are fully known. 
can't wait. I can't wait to see you face to face. Father, Father, I pray that if there's any here, here today that is, that is, that are not sure, that are not living with that, that peace, with understanding what it means to be led by the Spirit, that Father, they would not let another day pass. They would speak to me, speak to one another, they'll speak to somebody, somebody up here so that they would, would know that they'd enter into the family of God. Lord, love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus, we pray.